We're going to read verses 1 through 14. Daniel chapter 10, verses 1 through 14. Daniel chapter 10, beginning in verse 1. This is what the Word of God reads. In the third year of Cyrus, the king of Persia, a message was revealed to Daniel, whose name was called Belshazzar. The message was true, but it was for an appointed time, and it was long. He understood the message, and he had understanding of the vision. But in those days, I, Daniel, was in mourning three full weeks. I ate no pleasant food, nor meat or wine came into my mouth, nor did I anoint myself at all till three whole weeks were fulfilled. Now on the 24th day of the first month, as I was by the side of the great river, that is the Tigris, I lifted my eyes and looked, and behold, a certain man clothed in linen, whose waist was girded with gold of Euphaz, his body was like beryl, his face was like the appearance of lightning, his eyes like torches of fire, and his arms and feet like burnished bronze in color. And the sound of his words were like the voice of a multitude. And I, Daniel, alone saw the vision, for the men who were with me did not see the vision. But a great terror fell upon them, so that they fled to hide themselves. Therefore I was left alone when I saw this great vision, and no strength remained in me, for my vigor was turned to frailty in me, and I retained no strength. Yet I heard the sound of his words, and while I heard the sound of his words, I was in a deep sleep on my face with my face to the ground. Suddenly a hand touched me, which made me tremble on my knees and on the palms of my hands. And he said to me, O Daniel, man greatly beloved, Understand the words that I speak to you and stand upright for I have now been sent to you. While he was still speaking this word to me, I stood trembling. Then he said to me, Do not fear, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before God, your words were heard and I have come because of your words." But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me twenty-one days. And behold, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me. For I had been left alone there with the kings of Persia. Now I have come to make you understand what will happen to your people in the latter days. For the vision refers to many days yet to come. You can be seated. Amen. If you'll remember from the... Last couple of weeks, I wasn't here last week, so it would have been the week before last, I began a series on fasting. Now once again, if you weren't here, I don't want you to get up and run out of here just because I said fasting, alright? I want you to give me time to explain it. I want to back up and recap just a little bit. Very quickly, we began our teaching on fasting by helping you understand what it is. We didn't get into how to do it or what it, what it does in your life, we just simply covered what it is. We learned that this flesh man of ours and its desires is in complete opposition to God and His ways. Amen? Amen? We learned that everything that God expects from us is not what our flesh desires to do. Our flesh desires all the things that make us happy. Our flesh desires all the things that satisfy us and fulfill all of our desires. And we are fighting and we are in a battle of war against this thing every single day. And we learn that fasting is a way that, a tool that God gave us 
Fasting is a way for us to, first off, prove or it is evidence to God that we desire Him and His ways more than we desire our flesh and our ways. If you'll remember from the book of Genesis, I talked to you about Abraham. Whenever Abraham was going to sacrifice his son to God, do you think that was something that made Abraham's flesh happy? God asked Abraham to give up something that he greatly desired for God. And he took his son Isaac to the top of the mountain. And when he got up there, he went to raise the knife to give his son to God. And on the way down, the angel come down and said, Don't you lay a hand on him. For now I know that you love me. For now I know that you desire me more than your desires and your ways. It was evidence to God. And you say, well, why does God need evidence? Does he not already know what's in our heart? Absolutely he does. However, the Bible tells us a couple things about that. First off, without faith it is impossible to please him, right? In other words, we have to have a trust inside of us that no matter what he says or what he does, we trust him by faith because we know he means our good no matter what it is. So without that it's impossible to please him. However, the Bible says that faith without works is dead faith. In other words, God requires, If I like to put it like this, if God had came to Noah and said, Noah, I'm going to flood the earth. I'm going to wipe out all of mankind and the only way you're going to be saved is to build an ark. And Noah looked at God and said, God, okay, I believe everything you say. I trust in you by faith. I know that you'll do everything you say you'll do. But he never built the ark. Was his faith genuine? No. The works that he did to build the ark were evidence that his faith was indeed true to God. So God requires evidence. God requires proof in our lives. Whenever we studied a few weeks ago about Deuteronomy chapter 8, we saw that God allowed them to hunger. He humbled them in the wilderness for one purpose, so that he would know what was in their heart whether they would keep his commandments or not. He required proof. He required evidence to show that indeed, not only do they desire God from their heart, but they're willing to go the way that they have to go in order to do it. Fasting is the same thing for us. It is evidence. It is proof. So that God knows that we desire him in our hearts more than we desire the flesh and the things that he wants. Fasting is also, we learn, it is a spiritual training exercise to teach your flesh that it is not in control. See, let me tell you what we've got in the habit of here in this United States of America. We've got in a habit, and if you'll be honest with me, and we'll look around this morning and we'll see, we've got in a habit this morning of training this flesh that you get everything you want. When you sit down behind the supper table at night or you're sitting down at Cracker Barrel, who don't like Cracker Barrel, all right? Everybody loves Cracker Nick, put your hand down. You like everything. Stand up and do this right here. <laughs> Cracker Barrel. You're sitting at the table and you've just got this big meal and you know they feed you till you can't eat no more. And you've done filled up on biscuits and cornbread before the meals ever even got there. And you sit down there and you know something tells you I ought not do this. I ought to just go on and stop right now. But then there's something inside of you in this flesh that says, oh, but I want it so bad, right? And what does the majority do? 
We feed that flesh. We say, absolutely, you want it, you get it. And we, we are in a habit of training this flesh that whatever your heart desires, I'll give it to you. If, you're, if it itches, I'll scratch it for you. Whatever you want. But fasting is a reversal of that process. Fasting is a spiritual exercise that trains this flesh to say, you are not in control. The more we fast, the more we get in an exercise and we build up spiritually to be able to master this flesh to say, I do not submit to you, you submit to God. It is not for this body to submit to these fleshly desires. This body was created to submit to God and Him alone. And that's what fasting does. One example of that was in 1 Corinthians. If you remember in 1 Corinthians, Paul said in chapter 9 verse 27 that I discipline my body. I bring it into subjection or I bring it under my control. Lest when I have preached to others, I myself should be disqualified. He said in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 5 and 1 Corinthians chapter 11, I can't remember the verse, he said, I am in fastings often. Often, Paul said, I'm disciplining my body to teach it. You do not get what you want all the time. Now, food in itself is not bad, right? No, food is a necessity for our bodies to live. God made it that way. But he says, you do not indulge yourself in the desires of the flesh and train it that it gets what it wants. You teach it and you train it that you are in control and God is in control of you. The flesh does not control. We saw that Jesus conquered in his test and he prepared for it by fasting. The Bible says as soon as he was baptized that the Spirit led him into the wilderness to be tested. And what did he do? Fasted. 40 days and 40 nights. The greatest trial, the greatest, the greatest test that would ever be delivered because all the salvation of mankind rested on whether Jesus passed or failed the test in the, in the wilderness. And when he went in there, he prepared for it by fasting. And we wonder why we fall to the flesh over and over again. We wonder why we can't get past these food addictions and all the things that this flesh says it wants. We wonder why we lay down at night and go, Lord, I did it again. Can I get a witness? Over and over and over again we fail and we fail and we fall short of the glory of God. And he said, you're not even using the tool that I have given you to train your spirit to overcome this flesh. Maybe the reason why we lay in the bed at night and we can't even pray anymore because we've messed up again. What's the use? Uh, you know what? I, I don't even. I, you start the prayer and you can't even finish it because you didn't fail again. And we wonder why. God says, I gave you a tool to train you, to teach you, to overcome this flesh, and you are not utilizing it. This week, I want to cover how to fast. We've already covered what it is. We know what it is. We know what it does. From the book of Daniel, I want to show you how to fast. If fasting is evidence to God that we desire Him more than our fleshly satisfaction, if it does train us to control and rule over this flesh, then how do we do it? How do we, how do we operate this thing in the way that God meant for it to be operated? 
Look at Daniel chapter 10, beginning in verse 1. How to fast, if you're looking for a topic of the message this morning. I'll try my best to keep the notes so that you'll know what to write down. Daniel chapter 1. There's a few hind points that I want you to see before I go too far into this. First thing is that in the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a message was revealed to Daniel, whose name was called Belshazzar. The message was true, but its appointed time was long away. And he understood the message, and he had understanding of the vision. The first thing I need you to know in the background of this story is that, David, that Daniel had received a message and a vision from God. Now we know coming up here in the, in the end of this chapter and on into the next few chapters that this vision troubled Daniel. When he saw this thing, it really messed with his head. He didn't know what God meant by this vision, but at the end of it, in verse 1, he starts this thing out by telling you, I got the vision, and then finally I got the understanding. But I didn't have it at first. Look at verse 2. He says, in those days. In other words, now Daniel is going to take you back to the day when he got the vision, the day when he got the message, but he didn't understand what God was trying to say to him. So he says, in those days, before I had understanding, here's what I did. First off, I was in mourning for three full weeks. How many days is three full weeks? 21 days. I was in mourning for three full weeks. Now the mourning is not the fasting yet. I know some teachers will teach that. I'm not teaching that this morning. The mourning is not the fasting yet. The mourning is because he's been given a vision of all the things that are going to happen to his people. And he don't understand what's going on. He don't understand yet why God has shown him all this violence and war and all the things that are going to take place and it troubles him. So the first thing he does is he starts mourning for his people. The second thing he does comes from verse 3. He begins to set himself to seek the Lord he begins to humble himself to understand what God would say in this message. So here's what he does in verse 3. He says, I ate no pleasant food. No meat or wine came into my mouth, nor did I anoint myself at all till three whole weeks were fulfilled. I want you to go over with me to verse 12 now. I'm going to skip over to where the angel come and touched him and gave him the understanding. But look at verse 12. I want to explain what he was doing when he ate no pleasant food, no meat or wine came into his mouth. In verse 12 he says, Then he said to me, this is the angel talking to Daniel, Do not fear, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before God, your words were heard, and I have come because of your words. Now, if you'll notice here, the angel said Daniel did two things. The angel said, Daniel, first off, you set your heart to understand what God has done. Daniel, when you chose to take no pleasant food, when you chose to eat no meat and drink no wine and to refuse the pleasantries of your flesh, Daniel, what you did was you set your heart to not fulfill your fleshly desires, but you set your heart to seek out after God 
And that is why it is evidence to God that you indeed desire to know His Word more than your own fleshly desires. But then the second thing he says, and you, you humbled yourself before your God. In other words, you humiliated this flesh. You humbled it to say, I am not going to fulfill your desires, but I am going to continue to submit in obedience to God. And he was training himself to continue to do this. Now this is not Daniel's first fast. Daniel has had a few fasts before this right here. But we see here that Daniel, he set his heart to understand what God was saying at the beginning of verse 12. Second part of verse 12, he was teaching his flesh to submit to God and he humbled himself before God. So here's what we know. Daniel indeed right here was fasting. He wasn't just abstaining from food because he wanted to go on a diet. Now we, we go on diets all the time, right? How many of you have been on three or four diets this month? We've got a few in here. We go on diets all the time. Daniel was not going on a diet. Daniel was setting himself to understand the words of God and he was doing it by fasting. He was humbling himself before God and he was doing it by fasting. But my question was, if we know he was fasting, how did he fast? Look at Daniel chapter 10 verse 3 again. He said, I ate no pleasant food. No meat or wine came into my mouth, nor did I anoint myself at all till three whole weeks were fulfilled. The Bible says he ate no what food? Pleasant food. He kept away from the things that satisfied his flesh and he ate only the things necessary to get him through the day and keep his body healthy. That was it. But he took the pleasantries away from his flesh. I want you to think about, look at Genesis chapter 3, verse 1 through 6. I want you to explain why God put fasting in place as a way of us proving our desire for Him and as a way of us training our flesh to submit to God. Look at Dan, uh, Genesis 3, starting in verse 1 through 6. This is the fall of man. This is the first point where he fell. Y'all remember this? It says, Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said you shall not eat, nor shall you touch it lest you die. And look at verse 4. Then the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die. For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Now up to this point, Adam and Eve are completely submitted to God, right? They have not fallen. Everything God has commanded they have done, they have stayed away from anything that they personally wanted to follow God up to this point. But look at where the failure comes in. Verse 6. So when the woman saw that the tree was what? Good for food. And that it was what? Pleasant to the eyes. And a tree what? Desirable. When the woman saw the goodness of it, of it when the woman, even, even though God said you can't have it, she looked at it and she said it looks good. And it's so pleasant. And it's so desirable. 
And even though God says I can't have it, surely I can find a way that I can get it. And she does, don't she? She takes a bite. And if you'll notice right here, it was our fleshly desire that led us away from God to begin with. Do you see that? So if God is going to bring us back, then what better way to do it than through humbling this flesh by keeping fleshly desires away from it and causing it to submit unto God. That's called fasting. So how did Daniel fast? He fasted by abstaining from what kind of food? Pleasant. He abstained from, from, from abstaining from pleasant food. Look at Isaiah 58 verse 3. Show you another example that backs up my teaching on this uh, fasting. Isaiah 58 verse 3. In verse 3, the children of Israel have been fasting. And they ask God a question. They say, God, why have we fasted and you have not seen? Why have we afflicted our souls and you take no notice? And here's God's answer. He says, in fact, in the day of your fast, you find what? He said, in the day of your fast, you find pleasure. The very thing you're supposed to be doing in fasting is abstaining from a fleshly pleasure to teach and to train your soul to prove to God. Let's say that Daniel had have been a vegetable lover. Got any vegetable lovers in here? I mean, you love veggies. Let's say Daniel had have been a veggie lover. And let's say Daniel said, All right, God, I'm just going to drink water and eat veggies. <laughs> is that a sacrifice for Daniel? When God looks at that, does that prove anything to God? Absolutely not. But the reason that Daniel always abstained from meat and wine, every fast he done, that's the reason he did it. The reason he did it was because Daniel was indeed a meat lover. Daniel was indeed a man who probably loathed the veggies. That's like me. I can't stand a vegetable. Get them things as far away from me. Give me two or three ribeyes, a T-bone, and I mean just pile it up with meat. That's what I want. If you were to tell me, if I were to say to God, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fast this weekend. I'm not going to eat any vegetables for your glory, God. God would look down at me and go, you know what, just don't even bother. That ain't going to train your flesh to do nothing because you're just going to indulge yourself in the meat that you love anyway. It ain't going to prove anything to me whatsoever that you desire me because you're fulfilling all your fleshly desires. And God says, if you want to fast, you can't fast like this because in fact, in the day of your fast, you find pleasure. When it's the very day you are to be abstaining from pleasure from your flesh in order to submit to God. And then he goes on and he says, and not only that, but you exploit all your laborers. Now what does God desire more than sacrifice? Does anybody know that scripture? I desire what? Mercy and not sacrifice. God is a merciful God, right? He's a loving God. He's a forgiving God. He's all these things and these are what he desires for us to be and display. So if we're going to forsake our flesh, 
and we're going to submit to him, does that mean that during fasting we ought to be abstaining from fleshly pleasures and instead showing mercy and instead showing love, being forgiving, feeding the hungry, clothing the naked? We ought to be doing something other than selfish desires. But here he says in your fast, not only are you finding pleasure in it when you should be forsaking it, but in your fast, you're also exploiting all your laborers. In other words, you are oppressing them. You're not being merciful. You're not showing kindness. You're not submitting to me. You're still being selfish in everything that you're doing and you are not growing your flesh at all in this, but instead your flesh is learning to do exactly what it wants to do. Our flesh are natural born leaders, right? Everybody wants to be king, right? Everybody wants to be king. The flesh in fasting says you don't get to be king. Instead, you serve others. Instead, you're going to become the servant of all because that's what God desires for us in our life. So we see here that fasting God's way, explained in Isaiah 58, look at verse 5. Fasting God's way explained here, he says, Is it a fast that I have chosen, a day for a man to afflict his soul? In other words, fasting God's way is a day for a man to abstain from his pleasures. If it's meat, stay away from meat. If it's um, nicotine, stay away from nicotine. If it's, if it's anything in your life that your flesh desires, you want to fast, fast your pleasures. That's a true fast in my eyes. He says it is to bow down his head like bulrush. A bulrush was a tree that leaned over and it looked like a man bowing over. He says for him to humble himself in the sight of God and to spread out sackcloth and ashes. He put himself in the lowest place in the most humiliating form because he was taking away all of his selfish desires. Everything that his flesh wanted, he removed it. And he sought to seek out God and Him alone in his fast. So fasting, explain God's way, is a time when you take away pleasures from your soul and you humble it. Some teachers explain fasting in two ways. They explain it as a partial fast and a full fast. Now listen, I ain't knocking none of those teachers this morning because I believe their theory is correct. But I believe their teaching is just a little wrong. I don't believe in a partial fast. I don't believe Daniel was doing a partial fast when he did veggies and not meat. I believe what they believe is a full fast is completely abstaining from food. I believe a fast is not whether you completely abstain from food or not. But a fast is whether you abstain from fleshly desires, no matter what they may be. Abstaining from the pleasures that are in your life. That's the reason when Daniel fasted, it indeed was a full fast. But the only difference was in his fast, his fleshly desire he took away was the meat and the wine. He refused to fulfill his flesh on them things, but instead he only took of the things that his body needed in order to stay healthy. Remember, God's desire in fasting is not to kill your body. He needs that body. He uses that body. His desire is to kill the fleshly desire, not the health. He's not trying to make you unhealthy. Let's go a little bit further. If Daniel fasted in the full fast, and we found out that he didn't just fast from everything, but he still did a full fast, 
then here's what I want to say to you this morning. Eating may not be a great fleshly desire for everyone. Have you ever known anybody that has trouble eating? Is it going to be a fast for them to not eat? No, but instead it's going to feed that demon that keeps them from wanting to eat in the first place. So fasting from food in that case is not going to help them spiritually at all. Instead, it is going to continue to feed that flesh. There are people that, just like I said a minute ago, staying away from the meat ain't going to affect you whatsoever because you ain't that crazy about meat anyway. Load the table up with veggies and I'm going to be just fine, right? A veggie and water fast is probably not going to do much for you. It don't really prove to God anything for your sake. For my sake, a Daniel fast is going to lay me up on the highest mountain I can get on with God because that is the worst place I can put myself with veggies and water. It's going to help me a whole lot. But maybe eating is not something that is a great fleshly desire for everyone. What about TV? If God were to strike your TV for a week, what would it do to you? Oh, Lord, help me. Cut the cable back on. God Almighty, please cut the cable back on. Gilligan might get off the island this time. Some of y'all youngers don't know nothing about that, do you? TV would be something that might would be a good thing to fast in your life. Not only TV, what about if you're someone who loves all food? You love the meat and the veggies. Bring it all on. You know what a good fast for you would be? All food. Fast all food. If that is something that you thrive on, if that's something like you like Mark Lally, you want to give God a challenge for the rapture, see what he can do. If you that guy, guess what? Fasting from all food might be a good thing for you to prove to God that you desire him more than your fleshly desires. It may be a very good thing for you to do to train your spirit that flesh, you don't always get what you want in this life. What about caffeine? How many of you got to have your morning coffee? You know, it might be a good thing for you to be able to say, God, I don't depend on this morning coffee. I depend on you. There ain't nothing wrong with that morning coffee. It ain't, it, it, it ain't something that I believe God's looking down on and he's just casting all types of wrath your way because you drank a cup of morning coffee. I believe that food is not a bad thing. But I believe that God uses those fleshly desires to train us not to submit to them, but to submit to God. Is this making sense this morning? Fasting from the pleasures. Try abstaining from these things to the effect that you learn to exercise control over your personal desires. And as your flesh aches, how many of you going to get achy through the day when you ain't got your caffeine? Woo! As your flesh aches, are you just going to get mad and start oppressing your workers? Start just flying off at the mouse and just cursing folks, I mean. No, no, but instead, the more it aches, the more you tell your flesh, you don't get what you want. I remember when I was trying to quit smoking. Oh, my goodness, Lord, help me. I'd be out at the middle of the night. I'd say, Lord, this is my last one. I'd throw that pack of cigarettes away, and it'd be one or two left in it, and it'd be in a garbage bag in the back of my truck in the midst of all the scraps and stuff we'd poured out. And then about midnight, I'd wake up, and eyes wide open, and I'd think, I got a cigarette in the back of the truck in the garbage. <laughs> and I'd find my wells, myself out there in the back of the truck opening up the garbage like a cat or a raccoon or something, digging through, trying to find that cigarette. Half of it's got pinto bean juice on it and you're still trying to light that thing up 
No, instead, I had to learn to rule over my flesh. I had to learn to teach my flesh that I do not submit to you. You submit to me, and I submit to God. And he taught me how to do that. I used to fast. Uh, it used to be a practice in my life, and it's something I've gotten away from for many years now. But I pray that the Lord help me get back to it. My last thing, I'm coming to a close. How long? How long is a fast? Is it, could you fast for an hour? Could you fast for a day? 21 days? 40 days? You know, how long do we fast? Well, I got a few answers for that. First answer God told me when I asked that was, fast until God answers. First thing, when Daniel set himself to seek God and he was asking God for something and he set himself to fast to prove to God and exercise control over his flesh man, he didn't quit until the angel come and touched him. That's the reason why he fasted three weeks. He didn't fast 21 days just because he sat down at the beginning and said, you know, 21 days sounds like a good idea. No, he fasted until God answered. Fast until the spirit is strong and the flesh is weak. Fast until that morning caffeine, you tell, by, maybe by the seventh or eighth day you get up and it's not even a big deal anymore. You don't even really have a headache anymore. The desire is still there, but you're beginning to overpower this thing. Fast until your spirit becomes stronger than your fleshly desires and then you are bringing yourself back to that place to being in full obedience to God. Listen to this. Here's what I want you to remember in how long to fast though. This is important. Remember, God said man does not live by bread alone, but he does live by bread. God is concerned with your health. God is not asking you to do something. If you are a diabetic with sugar problems and it is going to put you in this body in danger to do this, then God is not asking you to fast food. That's a promise. I'll prove it to you in scripture in just a minute. Now, just because you get a headache because you don't get your caffeine, don't sit there and let your flesh tell you, Lord, I'm dying. Whew, I ain't going to make it if I don't get this caffeine up in me. No, you tell your flesh, flesh, you're going to be okay. You ain't dying. You're just having a few withdrawals, but you're going to make it through this. Man does not live by bread alone. But however, God said man does not live by bread alone. In other words, he does live by bread. And God knows that. Even Jesus had an ending point to when he fasted. After 40 days and 40 nights, the Bible said he was hungry. That's right. He had a point to where he finally stopped and said, I am stronger in my spirit than I am my flesh. And there was a point that he said, I can end this fast. Either when God answers or when your spirit is stronger than your flesh. Look at Acts 27, 33 through 36. This is where I want to prove to you that God is concerned about your health. I want to show you a fast that Paul and some men on a ship did when God had them in a great big storm beating the ship all to pieces. They didn't think they were going to make it. Acts 27 verse 33 through 36. And I promise I really am coming to a close this time. 33. And as day was about to dawn, Paul implored them all to take food, saying, Today is the fourteenth day you have waited and continued without food and eaten nothing. Therefore I urge you, take nourishment, for this is for your what? 
survival, since not a hair will fall from the head of any of you. And when he had said these things, he took bread, he gave thanks to God in the presence of them all, and when he had broken it, he began to eat. Then they were all encouraged and also took food themselves. Listen, like I said before, God did not give you this body for the means to kill it. He didn't. He gave you this body to glorify Him and serve Him. So why in the world would He ask you to actually harm it and put it in danger of being killed in fasting? It is not the body that, that, that He's trying to kill. It is the fleshly desire. So He says, abstain from the pleasantries, the things that the flesh feed on, the things that your flesh love. It may not be the same as mine. Your fast may be different than Daniel's. You may not need to fast veggies. You may not need to fast meat. You may need to fast candy or sweets or other things. But there, are, there is something in your life that your flesh desires and you love and you find what that is in your life and then you say, God, I'm going to abstain from this. It's going to hurt. Flesh ain't going to like it when Gilligan's Island don't get to come in here tonight. Flesh ain't going to like this. The bachelor's coming on tonight and I ain't going to get to see it. Flesh ain't going to like this. But you know what, God? I desire you more than I desire what this flesh wants. And I'm going to prove it to you. Here's my work to back up my faith. Man does not live by bread alone, but he does live by bread. So how long do you fast? Fast until God answers. Fast until the spirit is strong and the flesh is weak. But when you see your bodily health beginning to fail, take food. For this is for your survival. This is for your nourishment. This is for you to be able to continue on. Listen, people, I'm not talking about hunger pains. <laughs> if you get a little rumbly in your tumbly, I'm not telling you that's when it's time to quit your fast. I'm telling you, don't let your flesh deceive you. You get downright serious with your flesh and you say, listen, this is just a hunger pain and we're going to get past this. You get downright serious with your flesh and say, this caffeine headache it's going to go away. I am not going to submit to you. I'm going to keep withstanding and fasting from this thing. And I'm going to teach this flesh that I do not submit to you. And that brings us in alliance with God. Closing. Fasting is going to show you how serious you are about submitting to God. <laughs> Listen, you're going to be disappointed when you fast. I went on one the other night. Sure did. I thought, you know what, I better get back in the practice of this first before I start trying to get other people to do it. So last Friday night I was over there, and, and, and or I think a few nights ago, I can't remember when it was now, but I decided I was going to abstain from food because I, I am a food lover, so I, I decided I'm not going to eat anything today. Well, every other hour, Nick, I found myself at work opening the refrigerator door. I'd look inside the refrigerator thinking, what is there to eat? Huh. And the next thing I knew, I'd catch myself. I'd shut the door and go, you ain't supposed to be looking for no food. You're supposed to be fasting. And then next thing I saw, a, a bag of sunflower seeds over on the stove. And I didn't even pay no attention to it. I went over and picked the bag of sunflower seeds up, opened them up, and threw a handful in my mouth. And it went, <laughs> went spitting them out. I said, what are you doing? Every time I began, fasting truly began to show me just how powerful my flesh is. And when you start abstaining from these fleshly desires, 
you're going to see just how powerful this thing is too. But if you find yourself at the refrigerator and you recognize it, slam a door back. You know what? Even if you get one of those sunflower seeds down in you, I ain't saying go to the bathroom and vomit, all right? But even if you do get one of those things down in you, do whatever you've got to do to put that thing back on the back burner again and put yourself back in the place of that fast once again. That's how you train your desire. Listen, it's a battle. It's a war. Here's what I want each and every one of you to know. I heard John Piper preach a message one time, and he said, I'm hearing so much murmur, 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 murmur from Christians. Oh, the devil's so hard on me. Why is it so tough in my life? Why is it that he won't leave me alone and blah, 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 and all this? And John said, you know, I don't have a problem with that, but my problem is I hear so much complaining, but I see so little war. And he looked at him and he said, make war with your flesh. If your flesh overpowers you, make war. If you can't get away from the caffeine and all the TV and all the meat and the veggies and all the things that, that drive your fleshly desire, then quit pulling yourself up to the table, back yourself off of it, and make war. That's what you do. And listen, what, flat, what fasting does is it puts you in the battle. Until you begin to fast, you're really not even hardly in the battle. And you're going to learn from fasting that I'm not free. Fasting is going to teach you that God, I don't 100% submit to you. I submit to you in some things, but there are areas in my life that I do not submit to you. I'm not free. No, God, I'm obsessed with these fleshly desires. But fasting puts you in the battle. I encourage you today. I'm closing with this. Find an area in your life that gives you pleasure in your flesh. Abstain from that thing. Pick you a period of time for you to exercise control over it. It may not be a bad thing. Food is not necessarily bad. But you learn to exercise control over the pleasures that are in your life. I pray that fasting would become a regular practice in your life. After next week, I'm going to talk about the rewards of fasting, the fruits of fasting. After that, I'm going to ask the church to go on a corporate fast with me. All who want to, nobody that feels forced to, all right? I don't want that. But anybody who would want to, I'm going to ask you to begin to go on a corporate fast with me. And we're going to seek God for direction for what he's going to do in future months to come. But I pray that you begin right now looking at areas in your life that you can begin to fast. And I pray that it would become a regular practice in your life. Maybe the reason we can't overcome our flesh in the areas that keep driving us down and down and down is because we're not fasting. I don't know. That's between you and God. If you would, y'all stand. Surely if you would, come on. and Let's have a song of invitation. Then we'll have the Lord's Supper. And I've got a baptism and then we've got the meal. We may run just a little long today. If you need to go, I promise I won't think bad of you. What has God spoken to you about this morning? I don't know. How powerful is your flesh in your life? Is this something that God is speaking to you about saying it's time to grow up? Is this something God's speaking to you saying it's time for us to begin to use the tools that He's given us and become what He means for me to be? Can you look at your life and tell, indeed, the flesh is in control, not God? If that's the case, I encourage you to come today and you ask Him to give you the strength to begin fasting and to begin 
growing into everything that he means for you to be. Less of you and more of him.